I hate thieves in any capacity. It doesn't matter if it's someone who's breaking into someone's house and stealing something or stealing someone's intellectual property in the forms of patents, copyrights, and trademarks. I went to law school and I practiced for a very short time patent law, which you can't avoid the other intellectual property sides of things, trade secrets, copyrights, and trademarks. And someone I'm a huge fan of on YouTube, a content creator, is the channel Jerry Rig Everything, and the actual gentleman's name is Zach Nelson. And he's been robbed. It's not clickbait. I, I saw and I hate it that he posted the thumbnail. The name of the title is I've Been Robbed. And I just knew it had to deal, like just my first instinct that it had to deal with something with his D-Brand skins. If you don't know who D-Brand is, they sell these really cool skins for different products ranging from your personal phone, your computer, uh, gaming systems. It just adds like additional flair and protection on your device. I have one on my MacBook. I used to have one on my iPhone and now I just have like a better like protective case. Anyway, that's besides the point. They do really cool things. Jerry Rig Everything's channel is known for breaking down products. And because of that, he was able to partner with Dbrand and create, and you can kind of see here, different teardown skins showing the internals of a device on the outside. So you get the protection of the device, you get a cool skin, and you get to see the internals. And it's high-resolution images. I personally haven't ordered one, but I've seen the images online. And it's his intellectual property. It's a a collaboration between the company D brand and Jerry rig everything to create this and take it to market. Unfortunately for Zach Nelson and D brands, there was a company called case to that went ahead and just completely just ripped them off. I don't think that's any sort of leap in logic to think that we'll go into the details of actually what is copyright infringement and the facts of the case and why ultimately I can't see D brand not winning and Zach Nelson, but the remedies, what they're going to get back. It's that that's going to be tough. First off note, nothing I'm saying here is legal advice. I think it's important for individuals who are content creators to understand what copyright law is, what constitutes infringement. And another important fact of this case is that D brand is a Canadian company. They can have different laws and I'm in the United States. I studied United States law. So I'm only going to be focused on the United States aspect, but I, I know there's a lot of similarities between the countries and also just all around the world, except for China. That's also a problem. And that's going to be a problem for D brand and case Defy, or I'm sorry, D brand and Zach Nelson, because the company case Defy has headquarters that I found in Hong Kong. And when you have some sort of international disagreement and there's not a well-known reciprocity between the countries, that's where you struggle with enforcement of remedies. However, let's, let's look at just the pure acceptance by Case Defy. Uh, I found this really fascinating after the release of the video and some PR by Dbrand, Case Defy states, and I, I personally have never heard of Case Defy to begin with. But I'm not always out there just scouring the market for different ways to protect my phone. Anyway, Caseify. If you are listening, I'm on Twitter and or sorry, X, formerly known as Twitter. Caseify has always been a bastion of originality, and we hold pride in that. We are currently investigating a copyright allegation against us. We have immediately removed the designs in question from all platforms. We are also investigating, don't know why they had to add this, a DDoS attack that disrupted our website when the allegation surfaced. Correlation does not mean causation, 
they are trying to elude, maybe on their PR side, to state such. All systems are back to normal now. All customer information is safe. Thank you for your patience and support during this challenging time. Curious. I love the comment section of the internet because it just becomes a cesspool of just different things that people want to say. Ah, Marquez Brownlee, LOL at allegation, hilarious. Uh, D brand, remove the designs in question from all platforms. Guess Best Buy doesn't count, eh? Oh, wow, they sell on Best Buy? Now that's, see, yeah, they do. See, that becomes a problem. When you want to sell another person's product, you should always have some sort of limitation of liability, especially around intellectual property, stating that to the best of their knowledge, you know, they're not infringing on anyone else's copyright. Otherwise, you become a bigger pocket for someone to go after. So if Zach Nelson and D brand was able to go after Best Buy and recoup damages and maybe some sort of other ways that they could calculate that they've been harmed by such action of case defy, then you always go after the bigger pocket. That, that's generally when you're doing like a case analysis, why someone sued someone else. So in this instance, Best Buy would be the larger of the entities because they're a multi-billion dollar company versus case defy who also is overseas and is, I think I looked up like a $300 million uh, company. So we look at down here, uh, control copy, control paste. Uh, I think even D brand rebranded them. Let's go to the D brand X and see. Appreciate the follow <laughs> case defy follows D brand. That's hilarious. Um, copy and paste defy. Uh, that's just great branding. And this is also great publicity, whether you think about it in that way or not, of dbrand and jerry-rig everything. Because if you're someone on like verge.com or any sort of tech news website, it's going to hit the presses and it's going to pop up. And maybe you just didn't know. And also Casetify. I didn't know who Casetify was. Now I do. So all press is good press in some aspect. So we go back to the facts of the case of... Zach Nelson going through everything, breaking things down, um, the whole history, why they did it, but then also some really interesting, and I have an ad playing on my YouTube, apologies, and back of Easter eggs. If you look here, and I, I implore you to go watch his actual video when he's talking about the facts of it. But there is a quote in the breakdown that says glass is glass and glass breaks. That is a known tagline for Zach Nelson in his videos because he's doing a lot of scratching. He's doing bend tests and ultimately glass is glass and glass breaks. But that's not also the only Easter eggs within the design. So if I go back to dbrand on their accounts, they posted a lot of different Easter eggs. So here's one glass, glass, glass breaks, uh, subscribe, uh, case defy, just simply change that. And we'll talk about what derivatives are as far as copyright and how those are protectable. But there's also some other stuff. R zero eight zero seven, uh, which is a reference to the Twitter handle robot. Nothing appears actually within a device. And then there's just like poor copy pasting and just the quality of case defies versus D brand kind of lends itself to the fact that perhaps it was just a scanned image rather than an actual high quality photo image that was then translated onto a D brand skin. So 
let's go back and let's just talk about what exactly copyright is. So copyright and let me pull something up for individuals. I always think it's interesting that I spent a lot of time in school and law school studying intellectual property, but I always hear people just throw out that's trademark infringement. That's copyright. That's patent infringement. But there's so many elements of what it is. Like there's the actual regulatory laws that are in your face uh, that we'll talk about. But then there's also the, all the different courts that have heard such cases and how you use those rulings to apply the interpretation of the law. And there's pages and pages and pages. So if I just pull up U.S. copyright law, you're going to get 484-page document of just everything that you would need to know and research to evaluate whether or not you have a copyright case on your hand or understanding exactly what copyright it even is. So let's exercise a bit of humility. Let's get away from the idea that maybe we know more because even for someone like myself, I haven't read 484 pages. I know copyright law on its surface. A lot of individuals who go into intellectual property will be on the trademark patent side, and then there'll be specific experts on the copyright side, perhaps going after more like music, because even under there, there's a whole bunch of subcategories of underlying works that are copyrightable that need protection and different analysis and different expertise and different research. So I want to exercise a bit of humility, but when I'm looking at a case like this, there's a lot of facts that lend itself to a slam dunk as much as you could in the legal field. So copyrightable work section 102 a of copyright requires an original authorship and fixation in a tangible form. Section 101 doesn't contain a definition of originality. The reason of that is it's not up for the course to understand what art is, what originality is. It's up for the interpretation. A lot of things perhaps will go towards a jury trial for the evaluation, but the courts just don't have it within them. In one of these rare instances, they've determined such to understand what originality is. So there's a whole facet of different elements that you have to meet different things you have to bring to the table when you're pursuing some sort of copyright infringement. Um, So then there's what proving infringement entails. So the party that has the burden of proof, meaning the person that needs to prove that the other party actually infringed, will likely, um, let's see, sorry. It's difficult for defendants to protect themselves because they have a low originality standard of copyright, but have a de facto novelty test for infringement. Okay, Uh, let's just ignore that. I'm, I'm looking through my old law school notes. Um, kind of on the fly. I was reading them this morning just to kind of dust off the, uh, the old law degree behind me. But plaintiff must prove that defendant copied the stuff that copyright protects. Expression, not ideas. Similarities between the first and second work, some courts define in gradations rather than the absolute. Only provides circumstantial evidence of copying. Strong evidence of similarity can compensate for weak evidence of access. Intent doesn't matter. So there are two things. There's strong like similarities when you're looking at like we are here between the skins just on its face substantial similarities in this instance d brand or zach nelson was very intelligent to put all the different easter eggs within it just to show that you have the uh 
the substantial similarity, but it also proves access. So access is just the proof that someone saw it, saw the copyrightable work because it, it works in both ways. So strong evidence of similarity can compensate for weak evidence of access, but strong evidence of access can also help when there's weak evidence of similarity. Next, striking similarity, just kind of talking about that, um, just another aspect of similarities. Maybe enough if the similarity is so remarkable that no other plausible explanation besides copying makes sense because prima facie evidence of copying becomes prima facie evidence of copying. Similarities are complex and on more than one level. Again, striking similarity, they're both teardown skins and also all the different Easter eggs. Um, there's also substantial similarity, similarity sufficiently substantial to support an inference that defendant copies plaintiff's work. I think we have the striking similarity portion, um, similarity to a lay observer dominant test. Once, uh, get their reaction, have to determine if similar elements are protectable. Copying is only actionable by copying protected expression. And then there's problems, um, under inclusive because infringers can fool ordinary observer by introducing obvious dissimilarities over inclusive because, uh, includes unprotectable elements like facts and biographies. Uh, it's now we're just going down to a uh, rabbit hole. Um, but there is a case that was very, very similar, at least United States law. So in Canadian law, again, I, I, I have no idea about copyright law and like how all of it works, but in us law, there is a case. So when you're doing your sort of research brief and you're writing it to the courts, you want to find a bunch of case law that backs up what you're stating. So in this instance, we look at a case all the way back from 1960. And thank you, University of Michigan Library, for this. Um, so I don't have to read the case into my own brief. We talk about the facts of the case. So when you're researching, you're trying to find like facts as much as possible. It's rare that you find ever what would be called a bullseye as far as the same exact facts of this case are applicable to my current situation. But this is pretty damn close. And this would be considered more of a landmark case, one that we studied in uh, copyright law in law school. So the facts. Defendant manufactured dresses using an ornamental design. The design largely resembled the plaintiff's Byzantium design. The defendant made some slight variations in details. Still, both the designs had similar colors and motifs. According to the second court, both designs have the same general color and the arches, scrolls, rows of symbols, etc. on one resemble those on the other, though they are not identical. The district court granted a preliminary injunction against the defendant. So, on appeal... Second court affirmed the preliminary injunction. The test for, uh, they stated, um, Judge Learned Hand, the test for infringement of a copyright is of necessity vague. In the case of verbal works, it is well settled that although the proprietor's monopoly extends beyond an exact reproduction of the words, there can be no copyright in the ideas disclosed, but only in their expression. Obviously, no principle can be stated as to when an imitator has gone beyond copying the idea and borrowed its expression. Decisions must therefore inevitably be ad hoc. In the case of designs, which are addressed to the aesthetic sensibilities of an observer, the test is, if possible, even more intangible. No one disputes that the copyright extends beyond a photographic reproduction of the design, but one cannot say how far an imitator must depart from an undeviating reproduction to escape infringement. Because at a certain point, you get to what's called a derivative work. 
but it has to add some sort of aspect of originality. And again, the originality portion has a low threshold. So when I'm evaluating some sort of originality argument, I'm thinking, is there some sort of added value to what the artist that created the quote unquote derivative work did to where someone would rather have that work than my own? And it can't just be because I'm slapping a signature on or anything else. It's got to be some sort of additional thing. Uh, it, it, and that, that's a tough thing to evaluate. So within music, there's a lot of sampling. I think one of the most famous ones is uh, Queen versus uh, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby versus Under Pressure. There just wasn't enough. Like the beat of Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby was like the heartbeat of that song, for lack of a better term. So in that case, there was a level of infringement hope that makes sense because that's about as well. And again, that's why you have copyright attorneys to argue this for you. But if you're watching, like look at the different designs, Peter Pan fabric versus Martin Wayner fabric design. I mean, yeah, there's different additional things, but I mean, look, that is on its face, even to the lay observer, strikingly similar in this instance and not enough to reach what would be deemed a, derivative work. So we go back to the uh, appeal courts, the appellate courts um, conclusion. The court found the aesthetic appeal of these two fabrics was the same. I mean, let's go back. <laughs> Look at that. That's, that's the same. Even though the designs were not strictly identical, so not a copy paste, the court found that the ordinary observer, unless he set out to detect the disparities would be disposed to overlook them. I, I mean, I, I, even if you were looking for disparities, come on, like that's that's a copy paste and regard their aesthetic appeal as the same. Can we go back? Oh, yeah, definitely the same. I mean, even just the locations of the different elements of this fabric. It's ridiculous. This formulation, sometimes called the ordinary observer test for substantial similarity, has been used in many subsequent cases. So, again, it's like a landmark case that we study in copyright law. And I, I think the facts of the case are pretty applicable. Again, you're not going to be able to use some sort of U.S. court hearing to argue on behalf of Canadian courts, as far as I know. Um, just you can't do it vice versa. But, I mean, that is just flat out just copying and pasting, even if you change it. I mean, it's, it's ordinary observer would say this is strikingly similar I mean, they couldn't even change this triangle when they're showing um, this pyramid PC built by Linus Tech on the Casetify one versus the D-brand skin. Uh, quote, all-seeing eye. But let, let's talk about, like, the, like, let's play devil's advocate, for example, and we can, we can talk about, like, a derivative work again. Um, I know I have some notes here regarding such... Apologies, I thought I had it at the ready. Because it happens all the time. I, I would say it happens, especially with like content creators, where a lot of ideas, thumbnails, everything's ripped off, but I wouldn't necessarily lead it to strictly copyright infringement. I personally, and it's very 
frustrating and can make you angry that as a small content creator, you look and you see larger content creators finding a good idea you have by scouring, doing research and seeing if you have a high performing video and either ripping off the idea for the video or the thumbnail. And it, it's just, it's incredibly frustrating, but it wouldn't lend myself to be that level of copyright infringement unless they specifically took what I was saying or the outline of the video verbatim. So it, it's just, it's tough. And I apologize. I've got notes all over the place here. And I'm just looking for some notes on uh, derivative work. So I'm actually just going to go to uh, U.S. copyright law. Yep. So when you're looking at derivative works, I, I just want to make this clear again, like what I stated was it has to become an additional original and it, it's best, especially with a derivative work that if there's a substantial portion of the original work that is being utilized, that you still must get permission for it. But over time you can make something so original, although it's derivative that the derivative work becomes the original work and there's no copyright protection. It's, it's incredibly confusing. But also the protection of the derivative work of work only extends only to the material contributed by the author of such derivative work as distinguished from the pre-existing material employed in the work and does not imply an exclusive right in the pre-existing material. So you can't just create a new copyright over what you've derived from just because you added to it. It's only going to be the protection of your additional portion, um, your contribution. It's confusing. Like, again, there, there's so much. There's 484 pages of copyright law, and a lot of people just want to say they know what's what in terms of when something is infringing. Again, in this case, I, I thought this was a fascinating one because, first of all, I hate thieves. I hate robbers. And it's... It was just a good one to discuss. And as a personal content creator, I like to protect other content creators when I can and have a discussion. And that way other people aren't going to do the same or are going to be able to look for things. Again, this is not legal advice specifically to anyone watching this. This is just a discussion on what to look for. And I, I, I do love the quote at, at some point in this video. This is very important. It's incredibly important that intellectual property law in the United States must be understood that it's to protect and give rights to the owner to promote innovation. But there's a lot of people that take advantage of the system as far as patent trolls, for example, that want to continually just find new ways to protect something and then either not go to market or just sue other people that could be potentially infringing, although they're going to market with it. With any system, nothing's perfect, but... When there's an individual like Zach Nelson who creates a product that people clearly want, then he should have the rights in protecting it and making sure that other people aren't infringing. And you can't just acquiesce when you find that someone is infringing because there it goes down a slippery slope in terms of other people that can continually infringe upon you. So they are doing the right thing as far as going after them. But Zach Nelson does say something important, that he wants competition in the market in all aspects. So if Casetify did come to the table, create high resolution images, create a product that other people would want to buy, then that would only inherently make Dbrand and Zach Nelson want to create better products. So creating competition is important, but it is not competition 
when someone just copy and paste your work, it is just thievery and there's no other name for it. And again, that's just incredibly frustrating. Now, as far as remedies for dbrand for uh, Zach Nelson, that's going to be tough. China, US, China, anybody, as far as intellectual property rights and laws go to is a sensitive subject. I wrote a paper of this in law school and I, I was just uncovering more issues with the fact that we import products from China. We will protect Chinese companies of their intellectual property rights. But there is a lack, I'm not going to say just all out, 100% lack of reciprocity. There may be some instances when it's just so egregious and so public that China is forced to, but there lacks that reciprocity in China that they're also protecting the rights of American companies. It is pretty well known. You go over, you manufacture in China, they have the molds, they have the architect, the blueprints of whatever product you're doing, and they'll just create it in market, they'll ship it out to different countries, and then you're stuck here in Canada, United States, wherever, trying to go after in these individual uh, countries and trying to stop it through customs, and they can just flood you with just legal fees and just the fact that you have to go after. It's, it's a big danger. Apple is no stranger to this, too. They have to deal with Apple knockoffs in China as well. Case Defy happens to be located in Hong Kong. So what what are the remedies for when this happens to you beyond just having them stop case if I already posted that they're going to stop, it may become a moot point at this time, unless there's some way that they can evaluate how many of these case to five things were sold. The money should be going to D brand or to Zach Nelson and, or in that instance, but good luck, good luck enforcing that in a country like China, that's, they're willing to follow whatever case ruling is in the federal court of Canada. That that's just the way the world works. But I think the first step and a good step is that they were able to file it and get them to stop. So if you want this sort of case design, now you do have to go to D brand. So that's just this overall analysis of what's going on, what to look for, just kind of a, Unfortunately, using Zach Nelson and dbrand as a learning mechanism for other content creators or just creators in general for copyright. Um, Would love to get your thoughts on how I broke this down. Further discussion, if you have any questions, we can continue this. Maybe there's some patent questions as well. Uh, But thank you for listening and I'll catch you in the next one.